This is Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me again this week is Sam Lee. Hello. And we're joined again by Jack Pickbrook. Hi. And the football season might be on hold, but The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers in the business. And they're still hard at work telling unique, engaging and informative stories. So guys, give us a bit of a flavour what you've been uh, working on this week. Sam, I've seen a, a captain's piece from you today. Uh, yeah, just a quite, quite a simple look at you know some of City's greatest captains. And it gives an option for City fans and whoever else wants to vote um, yeah, to, to see if they can come up with who's the best. I think companies probably edged it out in... In the last couple of years, but I think it was always—I don't know—I might be wrong. You could probably tell me better, but I think it was always Tony Book before that. But yeah, you can check that out. There's some nice little stories about each individual candidate. And this week, we're going to be properly tackling City's problems with pressing this season, which I know is what a lot of people thought was kind of their undoing and their reasons for conceding so many chances was something was different in the press. So, me and Tom Wilville, a colleague who is very good with data and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be having a look at what's going on with City or what did go wrong. Uh, Jack, what are you, uh, I'm excited to hear what early Norse's reality TV you've been catching up on this week. Well, I actually just bought the Girls DVD box set, uh, which is a show that I quite liked when it first came out, but I've not really like properly watched it all the way through on DVD. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that. Looking forward to get, getting stuck in. Lovely stuff. Um, have you got anything uh, athletic-wise in the pipeline? Oh, uh, not really. I'm not working very hard. Oh, I'm doing something <laughs> on like... Um, like, uh, what's happening in France with the cancellation of Liga? Lovely stuff. Uh, you can enjoy The Athletic for free for 90 days by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Now then, uh, had the Premier League season have played out as it should have done, we'd now be two games away from its end. And with the title surely already at Anfield, then talk might have been straight into how City were going to set about getting it back. Whenever we ask for questions for the podcast, one always seems to come through. And we've decided to have a look at that in depth in this week's show. It's about how the squad will look next season and the size of the overhaul that's needed for Pep Guardiola return to domestic domination um in terms of of the shape of the squad uh, sam i'm going to start with you i mean like are there many players who are untouchable yeah surely yeah yeah there are there are um just to run through them i suppose off the top of my head if i'm going from the back to front uh edison would be untouchable in my opinion laporte um well, fernandinho but he's kind of in a different age bracket bernardo silva kevin de bruyne for absolute definite um, Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero obviously can stay as long as he wants, I would imagine. Um, and then, you know, I'd like to think Sane would be, but his um, circumstances are different. And then you kind of get into the the other tier then of you know Gabriel Jesus is, and you know some people think definitely should be kept, and some people think oh, I'm not really sure about him, that kind of thing. But yeah, there's part of there's probably about five or six. So I was, I was going to say, Jack, it feels like there's a lot of players at City who are in the bracket of they may be out the door if an, if, a, if a decent offer comes in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it feels to me as if this was a squad which was built to peak over, you know, over the last few years. And obviously it's won those two Premier League titles, so it's been vindicated in that. But watching them now, you do feel, I'm not saying it feels quite like the squad did in, say, 2016 or like 2013, where there was a bit of a sense of, of drift, but I also feel like there's there's now a few players there who you think the club could probably do with moving on. Are, are there any names that, that are definitely gone, do you think, Jack? I think there's a few who I think are gone if they could find a buyer or a place for them. So I'd say Mendy, Otamendi, uh, Bravo are the ones that stand out to me, really, of those. Maybe Zinchenko. 
I was going to say, let's have a look at some of the players individually then, Sam, because, um, I mean, me and you have talked for a long time about how, about who could be coming and going uh, in on previous podcasts. And, you know, for years, it's been a, a, a kind of a common topic. Um, yeah. The one the one that people ask about immediately all the time is John Stones. Yeah, um, for good reason, I suppose. And I, I suppose more so in the last... Five or six months. I remember coming away from the Villa game in this, in January at Villa Park, the league game. I can't remember if I can't remember if he'd had a bad game, but I remember having the conversation on the way home about if City didn't have other pressing needs at centre back, you know, with Otamendi as Jack, and there's a lot of people who replied to my tweet yesterday. Um, a lot of people mentioned Otamendi. I think if it wasn't for that kind of situation, I wonder what what kind of future Stones would be looking at because I think. In all of his seasons at City, he's never been in the picture in April or May. There's always been a reason, you know, just the other people have been better than him or more reliable than him. And I remember the the Spurs game in was it start of February when City lost. He wasn't even on the bench then. That was basically Guardiola's decision. Actually, I think that was because I think the next day he had some kind of like um, hearing about his divorce and the you know looking after the kids and all that kind of stuff so it was deemed that you know he needed to focus on that or at least couldn't focus properly on his football so all these kind of things you know he suffers a bit more than others when he has a setback you know I think the example is Laporte Laporte had those two mistakes against Spurs but you know just carried on as if nothing ever happened but if something happens with Stones not necessarily his own mistake but you know a bad result or a mistake somewhere else you know he, it can affect him longer and that's something they always hoped he would shake off going into basically every season and he hasn't been able to do so yeah there are obviously those links with Arsenal I think that was the week after that Villa, Villa game and I thought this makes a lot of sense um, I think it would probably be a risk on Arteta's part because presumably Arteta would know the exact ins and outs and probably the reasons Guardiola would want to get rid of Stones if he does. Um, Arteta would know about as well. But that seems like a transfer that would make sense. But the only thing is with him, he's English, obviously, and City need more English players. The main tick in um, in Stones' column is is the fact that he's English and nothing to do with his ability or potential is, is kind of damning. And maybe that's not the case, but that's how I kind of feel about Stones at the moment. I wouldn't say he hasn't improved, but I would say he hasn't improved anywhere near as much as you'd have probably hoped he would have in the five years since he joined City. Five, six, uh, sorry, four or five years since he joined City. Jack, there's a there's a weird paradox that I think exists around Stones because when you when you consider last season's title win, for instance, that that game against Liverpool at, at the Etihad, he produced that that amazing goal line clearance. He's he's capable of these moments of of, of, of great defending like that, you know. And then equally, you look at, at the cup final just before we we, we pause the season. And under relatively no pressure, he fell over his own feet, and City were suddenly you know they conceded a goal. Yeah, I mean, for me, the issue with Stones is not even so much the games he plays, it's the games he doesn't play. It's the fact that in each of the last two years, in both the title run-ins, when it's got really serious from about February onwards, Guardiola decided that he doesn't fancy him. And for me, that's damning. Like, City paid, what, £50 million for this guy four years ago. Like, he's, you know, he's an establishing international, he's not young anymore, and yet when it really comes down to him, Pep doesn't trust him. Um, And I think that tells you everything you need to know about his his stance in the club and obviously you know he is he's a, he's a very good player like he he's very good at what he does and he's very gifted and everything but I just don't I just don't feel like he's you know when it re- when it's really on the line he's not in the team and for me that says it all the one thing I probably should say you mentioned that Villa 
mistake in the Carabao Cup final. At half time, I was thinking this guy's done, you know. Um, but he did he did actually play really well second half. So for me saying, you know, he doesn't respond to setbacks or hasn't traditionally, to be fair, there probably there probably was a bit of evidence there, quite a bit of evidence that he can um respond and, and play really well. Um but obviously, yeah, you just need to see more of that. There's also, I mean, the defence has been has had huge question marks over it all season. Um, we, we talked briefly about Otamendi and and um, whether he's going to be uh, in or out the door. I mean, he's he's at the position now where it feels like he's had one good season at City, but for the rest of it, he's just been. I don't want to say useless because he's been he's he's played his part, but it's felt like the wheels have been ready to fall off at any stage, uh, Sam. Yeah, so frustrating this season as well. Um, just. And like any kind of hopes that City could get by without Laporte were just dashed immediately when Stones and Otamendi played together at Norwich. And to be honest, I didn't, you know, Stones got a lot of criticism that game. I didn't think he did an awful lot wrong, but Otamendi was horrible. And he has been quite a lot. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of City fans, you know, kind of talking about Otamendi. This should just be, you know, a no-brainer out the door. Ollie Coulson, for one, and James Yeaman as well saying... Um, Otamendi needs to go. It's it's hard to disagree with that. And he he would have gone last season. He in fact he said he came to City in like, I don't know April time I think it was maybe earlier saying he wanted to go. City were like okay well bring us a good offer you know get your agent to bring us a good offer and and you can and he didn't in the end and obviously the Maguire thing didn't happen and then there was no good offer for Otamendi because they didn't have any you know non non well sorry non homegrown spots left in the squad. They couldn't get in another centre back, so that kind of contributed to the situation they're in now. But yeah, if they can get rid of Otamendi, it's definitely time for that. It's definitely time for it because yeah, you're right. He, he's probably had one good season, and he was phenomenal in that hundred point season. Really good, and you know, they, in in many ways, they couldn't have done it if he wasn't. They couldn't have done it without him. But I think we, you know, the the longer we get from that, the more well, the less we can say. Actually, yeah maybe he can do this or maybe with this he can do that you know if he if he's protected to be fair to give him his due if he's protected he looks fine but if he's not protected which has been the case this season so he's not you know he's not the only one to blame he just goes to pieces but you can't you, you can't rely on that you know you need you need somebody who can take a bit of responsibility for themselves and yeah the the time has come for for him to go and I suppose now's a good opportunity to mention that um in terms of you know City doing business this summer nobody really knows how it's going to look because of you know the the final financial fair play situation for one thing, but also, you know, the, the post pandemic market or even, you know, the, just the pandemic market, we might probably still be in it and who's going to do what, um, city are still planning to do some business as far as I know. And I was told this a couple of weeks ago when I was doing that cheeky Bagheerstein piece, um, and I was going to, you know, keep it to myself and do something on it later on. But it turns out that Mike McGrath in the Telegraph wrote it about a month ago anyway, but what city are expecting to do this summer or whenever the transfer market opens is, a lot of swap deals or they think swap deals are going to be the way to to do business this summer because you know people are still going to want to get fresh faces in but not necessarily going to have the money so i know there's been a lot of rumors at the moment about uh quarter uh, an argentine center back at river plate and there's been rumors that Otamendi could go the other way i'm not sure about that i was told the other day that city hadn't even made contact with this quarter's agent um as of i don't think it was sunday night so if that's true then they may just be rumours for now, but yeah, this idea I think is the, the probably the cornerstone of City's market and that if they can do swap deals, they probably will, which is probably going to be relevant to another defender, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, Altamendi, if they can get rid of him, yeah, I think they definitely should. He had that great season, but I mean, this season, 
as as bad as anybody, I suppose. Well, uh, lo- looking elsewhere in the defence, Jack, as well. I mean, the, the, the situation at left back. I, I'm I'm trying to think where City. The last time City had a stable, like a, a left back that you would say was both stable and good enough for the team. And you're probably looking at Gail Clichy back in the in the title winning season in 2012 because like Mendy and Zinchenko have just not cut it. Yeah, they haven't. I'd say you know the good old days of Kolarov and Clichy look a very long time ago now, don't they? Um, yeah, I mean, Mendy is the thing about Mendy, like Mendy is obviously a fantastic player. Like he's so good. If you, you know, if you look at what he can do going forward, I've not really seen anyone else quite like him as a as a attacking left back. But he's how many games? How many good games he had since he's been at City? Ten, being generous, and he's been there for three years. He cost a huge amount of money. There's massive question marks over his. His application over his fitness and injury record, as well as his application and behaviour, um, and frankly, I I mean Sam will know more about this than I do, but I imagine that if they could have sold him, they would have done. Um, so yeah, and- yeah, yeah, that's true. Last summer they would have. Yeah, they were going to get Chilwell, and then they just they pulled the plug on it. This time get last who? year, Ben Chilwell from Leicester. Oh, of course, yeah. And this time last year, they just went. Actually, no, we can't do that now. And I think that's because they they knew that Mendy needed another. Um, procedure on his knee, which is you know he he didn't join the title celebrations at the end of the season because he was in Barcelona again recovering. So they knew they couldn't sell him. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether I'd be honestly I'd be surprised if City ever see the best of Mendy now. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, they do. You know whether it is Mendy or someone else, they they could do with a better with a better left back because Zinchenko is you know pretty good at what he does, but he's not he's not he's not really a left back and never has been. Yeah, I think left back's really interesting, and a lot of people have replied to, to my tweet asking about, you know, the kind of ins and outs, talking about the left back area. And a lot of people saying, you know, someone, um, where was it, saying they need to to get rid of the, the two of two of the three left backs, and I'm of that opinion as well. But I actually think one of them should be Mendy because I'm like Jack. I think, unfortunately for him, because he he has he has been very good and very important to City tactically as well when he's been fit. But that that was before the injuries, and I don't think he's ever going to get back to that level. I just think it's a, a fact of life that that knee is damaged, and that's it now. He's a different kind of player. And if you're going to look, maybe maybe now with the, the market how it is, maybe they won't have this opportunity to shake it up. But in an ideal world, if City were in it, I'm sure they would they would look and say, well, there's no point in having this new Mendy. He's not what we thought he was. He's not going to get back to that. And why have, you know... They, for most of the season, they had three left backs, and I would say none of them were especially capable of doing the job. I would say if they can get a new one in, they should sell two. And I always thought it should be Mendy and Angelino, and keep Zinchenko. I know Zinchenko is not had a good season, um, but I just think tactically he's very important. I think he gives them something different um, at left back in certain games. Um, could always go into midfield if needed. I know this is something that other people have asked as well. Um, I don't actually think he's going to go into midfield too often unless there's a real injury crisis in there, whether that's defensive midfield or as a number eight, which he originally was when he signed. Um, but yeah, and then that kind of brings us on to Angelino, who, I don't know, I don't, I never really thought Angelino was that good. He was always a backup signing anyway. And the fact that he went out on loan during the season shows that. I don't think he was expected to play anywhere as much as he actually did. Um, I, I just, I just don't. I don't know. Maybe it's my own preconception about him, but he didn't do anything to change my mind. The only the only real things he's done to change my mind is since he's been on loan. Um, but 
that's just a completely different situation. And, you know, he's a, a club which is maybe a bit closer to his level because, let's be honest, City's level is far above most teams in Europe. Uh, and I, I don't think he's there. So if City can get that clause for him that was inserted into his contract, what was it, about £25 million? If they can get that, I think that would be a steal. I think they'd be doing really well with that. Um, so, yeah, left-backs, I'd, I'd say get rid of Angelino and Mendy, keep Sinchenko and get somebody else. Yeah, God knows who else it could be, but that's that's kind of where I'm thinking about the left-back situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one as well, just on, on Mendy and, and his uh, his relationship with Guardiola as well, because is, is there any... Is there any frustrations from Guardiola, Sam, about about Mendy's kind of social media presence, that sort of thing? Um, well, I mean, I'm trying. I'm just trying to remember the last time I heard anything about it because obviously, it's well, there has been so much reported and so much known about you know Mendy off the pitch and social media and stuff. A couple of years ago, or within you know the first his first two years at City, obviously Guardiola. I think it was was it after the game at Arsenal. The first game of last season when he played really well and Guardiola did that classic thing of being asked about, oh, Mendy was really good. And he said, well, actually, if Mendy did more of this and less of social media, et cetera, et cetera, then it'd be much better. And that's the classic Guardiola way of keeping a player he's not happy with in check. So there was that. And then obviously he was he was banned from the training setup. Even though he was injured, he was told not to be around You know, the rest of his teammates for a week when he turned up late for a rehab session when he went to the Anthony Joshua fight in... London on the Saturday, and he was late back on the Sunday. Um, I've done a few articles about it, you know, how the coaching staff have really felt they were at the end of their tether with him. Obviously, like I said before, um, they would have sold him last summer if they could. Um, and they thought back then that if they could in January, they they might even get a left back in the January just gone. But obviously, you know, things panned out differently. I'd heard for a while earlier in the season that he'd kind of knuckled down a bit and was taking things a bit more serious. But then I'd probably the most recent thing I heard, which was... It's difficult to get the timings right now because everyone's timings is so far out. But maybe January kind of time, I'm thinking, I was told, no, that's that's gone out the window again. And, you know, they're still kind of questioning him. So I'd, I would probably have to say best educated guess at the moment is, you know, Mendy hasn't really worked his way back into the good books. And he'd probably worked his way out of them a good couple of years ago. Jack, I, I can't remember if it was you or Sam that mentioned it a bit earlier on, but the, uh, the there is a Champions League ban on the horizon. It uh, it currently stands at two years, barring the appeal. Um, that does that raise questions over some of the untouchables like De Bruyne and like Raheem Sterling? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's it's unquestionable that De Bruyne and Sterling would want to play Champions League football. Like you know, they are two of the best players in Europe. Of course, they're going to want to play in in the biggest competition. Uh, I think De Bruyne hinted at that in a recent interview in Belgium that he did about exactly that topic. So so it, it's an interesting because City haven't really been in a position in the last, well, since the takeover, really, where any of their best players have had an eye on leaving. Whereas if, if De Bruyne and Sterling wants to go and play Champions League football, that would put City in a, you know, that would put City in an unusual position that they're not used to. Um, and I, I want, I've got no idea how how it would play out. Yeah, somebody's just asked. Actually, I've just got it through on my, on my Twitter. What what is the situation with De Bruyne? Is is it real? That does he really want to leave? And this is this is how these things get you know, blown up. The good thing about De Bruyne saying that is, I think it puts into words exactly how a lot of players are feeling. Because we've been asked about this before. I think we've discussed it on the podcast. And we've said, look, it depends on the individual. But, you know, there's a couple of players who like the idea of going to Real Madrid. And if it's two years out of the Champions League, maybe they're thinking, now's a good time to go. But 
you know, as much as I'd like to think people trust me and listen to what I say, it's it's much easier if somebody like Kevin De Bruyne spouts it out. And yeah, like I said, it, it kind of got blown up a bit. It's not it's nothing really to to be overly concerned about what he said, but it it does spell out that yeah, okay, if City are banned from the Champions League for two years, it's something they need to think about. And at no point did he say, "I'm going to go." But he just said, yeah, you know, if it is two years, it's something we need to think about. And that's that's just the reality, basically. Like what, what footballer wouldn't at least consider their future if they didn't have the Champions League for two years? And, you know, whoever else knows what about the 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 knock-on effects of FFP. You know, if City have got a, a million, hundred million pound hole in the budget and they say, actually, we're not going to be in the Champions League for two years and also we can't really strengthen the squad, then some players, you know, they will want to, decide what they're going to do. So no, I don't think there's any real danger of De Bruyne you know, up in sticks anytime soon. And another part of that interview he said was whenever he's had a transfer, he's always behaved really well. He's never like forced his way out. He's never behaved badly. He's just kind of acted professionally and let everyone get on with it. So I don't have to worry about him banding a transfer request or anything like that. And yeah, as the, some of the reports say, I know from, from Christoph, the really reliable Belgian reporter, um, City are going to offer him a, a new contract soon enough. So see how it goes. Well, it kind of ties into a question that came in on Twitter, Sam, uh, from Paramal, who says, uh, what should City expect for their top talents in the present market? If KDB were to leave, how much would he be worth? And I suppose it also ties into, to, like, there's only a select clubs who could pay what he's worth. Yeah, um, that would always be the case. And it, like, I remember a couple of years ago when Guardiola kind of claimed on that interview that he had like a 250 million euro bio clause or something like that. And then he was like, oh no, that was misquoted or something, which it wasn't. But then City say, no, there wasn't. And it doesn't seem like there actually is that bio clause, but it was really weird. But it seemed at the time, and it seems now, that that kind of money, Neymar money, I suppose, would be about right. But that was in the kind of post-Neymar market. But now we're in, or going to be in, the post-pandemic market. And I think that bubble's burst now. Those big fees that were going around, I don't think they're going to be there. So the other element to it is, and I don't think anyone's going to try and buy De Bruyne this summer, but it's kind of like what we mentioned with Sancho before. You know, if Dortmund wanted 120 million euros for Sancho, for argument's sake, and now nobody's got that, why would they Why would they want to sell him? So who, who knows what he would be worth? You know, if, if the market really crashes then I think it's just more likely that City wouldn't sell him unless they were in absolute financial dire straits, which even with the financial fair play ban, if it does get upheld, I don't think they would be that desperate to sell De Bruyne for anything less than 100 million, even if that was the most they could get for him. I just... I just don't think that would make any business sense. Jack, I, I feel as a City fan, resigned to losing Leroy Sane this summer um, or whenever you know whenever the transfer window opens. It, it, it feels like one of those transfer sagas that's dragged on and on and on. And I just want a conclusion to it now. Yeah, it's, you're right. He's, he's been in this kind of state of limbo for a long time, obviously dragged out by getting that knee ligament injury in the Community Shield. Um which stopped the prospects of any move. And then obviously coronavirus has brought a halt to European football effectively. So it's strange. I find the Sane situation quite frustrating because he's so obviously one of the best players in Europe, certainly of his age. And yet clearly there's been, you know, he's not quite as popular with Pep Guardiola as he used to be. That's evident by the fact that he didn't play as much, particularly in the second half of last season as he did in previous seasons. 
So maybe so he he's clearly slipped down the pecking order a bit. But I was I always feel with Sane like I can understand why Guardiola might want to sell him, and of course the, I understand the need to refresh the squad and to maintain high standards and all the rest of that. But if City sold him, then they would be replacing him with someone not half as good. And if they sold him, they'd spend the next ten years thinking, Christ, why on earth do we sell that guy? He's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I'm a big Sane fan, and I, you know, I, given the choice, I'd much rather he stayed at City than went. Do you see a situation where that happens, though, Jack? I don't know. I don't know whether he he will go or stay. I think Sam Sam would probably know more about this than I do, but I certainly feel like if City sold him, they would regret it. Well, yeah, as far as I know, and this is going back to last summer. Yeah, and in fact, this was coming out of you know City themselves. The suggestion was if Sane had gone last summer, which seemed to be the case before he got injured then City wouldn't have bought a replacement so can you imagine City having the season they've had being this far behind Liverpool having made the actual decision to sell Sane and not replace him in in some ways they've they got lucky to avoid that kind of backlash against the squad planning um, because he's been injured and they could at least have the option to say well you know if we had Sane it could be different but if they'd have actually made that decision not to have Sane god can you imagine so I mean, one of the players that was mentioned there as well was uh, was Mares, who I, Sam. There's been a couple of tweets come in suggesting that he might be one to move, but I feel like that's it's it's very premature. Yeah, and I kind of think that's the least of City's worries at the moment. I mean, if City were in a situation where they didn't have to get two centre backs in and a, and maybe two left backs, probably just the one, uh, you know, a goalkeeper because Claudio Bravo, we haven't mentioned him too much, but. Let's just probably all agree his contract's up. It makes sense for him to go, although I actually think it might make sense to keep him if depending on what the market looks like. Um, but if they didn't have to do all this other business um, and maybe replace David Silva, even though they got Foden, and maybe replace Sane, then, yeah, maybe they could upgrade and say, OK, well, Mahrez has been OK, but we need better than that. But no, not with so many other holes in the squad um, and not when you're going to be losing Sane anyway and not in this crazy market. So, yeah, I think Mahrez... Not certainly not now. I, I'm still not. I don't think he's had a great season. He's been one of City's best players, um, but he's been still kind of hot and cold, um, but just more more hot than the rest, I guess. Um, but I think next season will be the make or break for him. If he can build on that again, then great. Um, but I think he definitely deserves, in his own right, to have another season. Um, but certainly in the situation City are in, I don't think it would make any sense to look at moving him on either. Yeah, I uh, I didn't like Mahrez in his first season. I thought I wondered what they paid the money for. And this season, I've really got on board with him. I really uh, really do like what he's been doing. Um, one one player who seems to have permanent question marks over his head, and, it, and I suppose it's because he's back up to Sergio Aguero most times, and he's not Sergio Aguero. Um, but Jack Gabriel Jesus is. There's always talk of of how he needs to improve, and and is he reaching the potential that 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 City need him to reach? But equally, like I I always feel like he gets a pretty a pretty bad press for what he does because I, I think he's a great player. Yeah, I think Gabriel Jesus is a great player, but if you'd said to me three years ago that he would still be second fiddle to Aguero and only playing here and there, you'd have to you would have felt disappointed by that because he was phenomenal when City signed him. And for the second half of that season, sixteen seventeen, I remember thinking that he was the future, like that he soon enough he would be playing in that front three with Sterling and Sane and Aguero would be out of the door. Now, obviously, that is test- the fact that hasn't happened is testament to Aguero's enduring brilliance and resilience and consistency. But I just feel like... 
I feel like I feel like Jesus hasn't become what we expected him to become. Uh, I don't know exactly why that is. I don't. Know, is it just that he doesn't score enough goals? Is it that Aguero has adapted his game sufficiently? But I, he's he's not. He hasn't. Re- he hasn't hit the heights that we all expected, has he? What do you think the the future holds for the centre of midfield, Jack? Um, you look at at, at players like uh, Rodri. You look at players like Ilkay Gundogan. Phil Foden's still coming through. Um, uh, it's the room for all of these players in the squad next year. I think so. I mean, particularly if David Silva isn't there anymore, then City would have what Foden, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Rodri, and then maybe the last year of Fernandinho in midfield. So I'm sure there is, you know, in enough games to go around. I don't really know what I think City's midfield will look like in a few years' time. I think there's still... And, of course, there's a question of whether Bernardo Silva moves back to play into midfield in the longer term. Uh, so I think there's still quite a lot of question marks about what you know what the best combination would be next season. Would it be... I mean, I imagine that Rod, it would be Rodri, De Bruyne and one other. Maybe Rodri, De Bruyne and Fernandinho, Rodri, De Bruyne and, and Gundogan. Um, but, yeah, it's all, it's all a little... Because of things this year like for example Fernandinho moving back to centre-back uh, and allowing Rodri to play most of the games in that holding midfield position it's become a little bit unclear like how they would all fit together when everyone's fit. I only ask because uh, MCFC fans corner uh, came in with uh, reckon Gundogan could be moved on if we buy someone like Awar. Other than that the usual names are Otamendi, Stones, Zinchenko, Mendy but it'd be difficult to move all on in one summer and a lot depends on the wafer ban and how the virus has impacted our purchasing power. So I mean are there questions over Gundogan Sam? I don't think so. Guardiola is a big fan of his. I mean you couldn't I don't think you could say he's had a a good season. The the age-old problem of him playing as a as a number eight and him suffering by being neither De Bruyne nor David Silva, which, you know, is an impossible standard to live up to again. I, I, I don't I don't think there's any danger of him. I think he's a he's a very good squad player, which even saying that sounds a bit harsh because I think he's better than that. I yeah, I will accept that he's not had a great season. Sometimes he you know, in certain games he doesn't look like a number six, he doesn't look like a number eight either. So you are kind of left thinking, well, where does he fit in? But Guardiola is a big fan, so as much as anything He's probably not going to be sold anyway. And again, the same kind of thing as Mares, really. You know, the City have got much bigger issues. And again, let's not let's not forget. I think we discussed this with David Silva a couple of weeks ago. As much as Silva may have declined a little bit this season, you know, physically or whatever it may be, the City team hasn't been working anyway. You know, the the pieces of the puzzle on Silva's side of the pitch have been completely ripped out. You know, there's there's no Sane running in behind. There's no reliable left back doing what a reliable left back has been doing at City over the last couple of years the passes into him haven't been coming from Laporte the only person who's well even even like you know Rodri you you know Rodri is not Fernandinho Rodri's many things good things and bad but he's not Fernandinho and in this context that's another piece of the puzzle that's different so everything around David Silva has been altered so the fact that he doesn't look so good I don't think is necessarily to do with his age but the fact that the rest of the team hasn't looked so good so if you're applying that logic to him I think you can you have to apply it to everyone else and obviously that includes Gundogan yeah there's probably a a big emphasis on him to create a lot and maybe he doesn't always do that but at the end of the day not everybody has been playing anywhere near their best this season pretty much apart from De Bruyne um, so Gundogan if we're if we're talking about City getting back to their level next year with a couple of good signings, I can see Gundogan having another good year. Uh, I am a Ilkay Gundogan fanatic. I think he's an incredible player. Uh, I love watching him play. I think that 
even though I accept the argument that maybe he's not in City's best team, I also feel paradoxically like City play much better when he is in the team. Uh, I think he's he always looks integral to how City play. He's a, he is such an amazingly natural keeper of the ball and passer and controller of the game. He's very, very, very clever and technically good. And I, uh, I support him staying in the City team for as long as possible. Uh, just to to throw in as well, Maccabisi adds uh, on Twitter that uh, the, the players that he one of the players that he'd like to sign was Ben Chilwell. Uh, Sam, is that is that dead in the water now? Given that City pulled out of it, I don't know. I mean, you'd imagine it would be a difficult one because, like, as far as I know, everything was in place pretty much this time last year. Maybe you know mid April kind of time, um, it was kind of in place, and then yes, yeah, City couldn't make it happen in the end. So it, it it then goes down to you know personal opinion. Then will will Chilwell feel like oh they've kind of betrayed me or whatever or will he go okay well I wanted to go then I'll be happy to go in future I don't know again it would tick it would tick a lot of boxes as well because he's English and he's good uh, I know people uh, some people aren't entirely convinced by him but I think he'd do a good job for City uh, but I, I couldn't tell you if that's if that's a, a, an option or not anymore another question from uh, JB is uh, do you know who the priority targets are this summer <laughs> no no at the moment I don't um still trying to piece together you know how they're going to do business so you know the the swap deals and that kind of stuff, and if they're going to do business, and they are. But um, in terms of getting the names and all that kind of stuff, um, yeah, hard, harder than usual, I would probably say. Maybe I'm making excuses, but no, I mean, I, at the moment I don't, but don't worry, I, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, just finally then, Jack, um, as a fan, do you see City squad being vastly different uh, next season, or do you see it actually being quite similar to this season with you know one or, one or two changes, but nothing too too drastic? Well, I think that even though the squad could probably do with a bit of a revamp, I think that you know the financial realities of coronavirus in 2020 means that we won't see that. Um, so I would like, I mean, it's impossible to make predictions, but I'm not expecting the City squad to look drastically different when next season starts, whenever that is. Right. Well, that's it for this week's Why Waitles. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Thanks very much. And Jack Pitbrook. My pleasure. And to me, David Mooney. If you'd like to get some ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 90-day free trial now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.